RugbyRenegade.com, the number one online strength and conditioning program for rugby. Are you ready to get bigger, stronger, fitter, and faster and dominate your opposition? Welcome to the Rugby Renegade Podcast, where we build machines. Today's episode is sponsored by Optimum Nutrition. To get a 40% discount across their entire batch-tested range, use the code RENEGADE40 at www.onacademy.co.uk forward slash elite portal. And of course, members of the Rugby Renegade online subscription program get an exclusive 50% discount plus free access to the Optimum Nutrition online nutrition course. Hello and welcome to episode 79 of the Rugby Renegade podcast. My name is Jamie Bain and today I interview Ian Gibbons, Head of Strength and Conditioning with San Diego Legion over in the States. Uh, he's also had experience in the UK uh, with Saracens and Scarlets to name a few and with uh, Sevens with USA uh, women's team. Um, so it's great, great to chat to him about uh, life and work over in the States um, and we, we end up talking about um, a, lot, a lot of times in the podcast it's kind of high-end stuff looking at um, what they, what coaches do with teams but we kind of talk about how we can adapt what we know from from those environments to do it at lower levels which you know there's tons of rugby players and teams and clubs that um, need to improve performance but don't have access to GPS units and uh, force velocity heart rates and things like that so it's really interesting so if you're a coach you might learn how to adapt that and for a player actually how you should be training for yourself if you don't have access to those things so um, definitely worth listening to and of course let us know what you think hi ian welcome to the rugby renegade podcast great to have you on let's start as we always do by you telling us a little bit about your background how you got into strength and conditioning and who you've worked with yeah thanks for having me uh, jamie um so in my background i started off playing uh, kind of uh, Pro age grade rugby. Was lucky enough to to be at Gloucester at eighteen, um, and then kind of always been interested in strength and conditioning as a player. Had some good SNCs myself, and then I uh, just explored an avenue. Really, I got told by um, was actually Andrew Stanley, who was at Gloucester at the time as a as the academy coach, and was at Hartbury. He said, "You know, if you wanted to do conditioning, a degree would be good. We do one here at Hartbury. Are you interested in coming on board?" Um, so that was where the, the, the kind of interest uh, came from. Um, so I studied at Hartbury for three years, uh, got involved in coaching the academy uh, programs there and, and linked in with Gloucester as well uh, with Mike Anthony, who's uh, now with the All Blacks. Um, and just just grew from there, uh, been in a, a successful program at, at Hartbury on the rugby side and then just kind of uh, networked my ass off, I suppose, and, and managed to, to go and spend some time at Saracens uh, during the break uh, over the summer and then got offered the job there when I graduated. So that was my, my first kind of uh, first kind of role. I walked into Saracens at Alan Gaffney as a coach and uh, some of the top players like Andy Farrell. We had Chris Jack come in. We had Justin Marshall there. We had, you know, an array of, uh, array of talent uh, and then an array of young talent as well. Made part of the England squad now, Owen Farrell, Jamie George, etc. So that was great. Spent some time there. Um, worked at some good SNCs. Uh, Nigel Ashley Jones, who's now in the NRL in Australia. Craig McFarland, who's actually here in the States with me now. Um, and then moved uh, to Wales, worked in rugby league. Uh, we Wales rugby league. 
uh, and then was lucky enough to, to move in then and go with a role with the Scarlets. Uh, spent some time at the Scarlets, worked at, under Simon Easterby as a head coach, uh, Wayne Pivak um, as a coach, and then moved on from there and went to, went to the World of Sevens with Kenya. Um, and then whilst I was there in Kenya doing that, got, role, got offered a role with the US Women's Sevens. Uh, so came over to the US and I've been here since. I've worked with women's 15s at the 2017 uh, Rugby World Cup. Um, and then in 2019, moved across to Major League Rugby, so a new professional league here in the, in the States with Seattle Seawolves. Won the championship, lucky enough to work with some good players and some good, uh, some good coaches here in the States. Uh, and then now I've transitioned across to San Diego Legion in my new role um, and building towards the 2021 season. So that's a small snippet of it. It's 15 to 20 years of exposure and, uh, and still learning, mate. Yeah, cool. And, and we'll get into it more. But let, let's start by kind of breaking everything down. And what's your kind of philosophy or, or your approach to, to training to improve rugby performance? That's a real good question. I think there's, there's so many kind of facets to it, but the, the overall kind of, the overarching uh, philosophy for me is to have uh, every, uh, every single player available for uh, every single training session where possible and every single game. Um, and then ultimately then it's then to win. Um, how we go about that, again, that's, you know, that's based on who we have as a, as a group of players, but I think the overall my overall thing is to, in the training week is to have a, a hump and not a slump. So we'll use various tools within that. Um, you know, strength is a foundation for all other athletic qualities and we need to kind of uh, elicit those, uh, those, uh, those changes as we go through the, the training process. But ultimately, it's to have uh, players available for, for every single training session, every single game. Yeah, cool. And and obviously you said about uh, Major League Rugby. Tell us, tell us about your your current role and and how the sport of rugby in America is developing and 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 what the environment is like to work in. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting environment. Uh, my current role is uh, athletic performance manager for for San Diego. So we have a squad of uh, thirty players. Um, I'm on my own. I'm a one man band. So you know that'll be. Uh, some people will resonate with that, particularly uh, those that work in at the, the lower levels of the game. Um, and we have an, a, a, an ex, a mix of experience within that. So we've got some guys, like we've got Chris Robshaw coming in and Martin Nonu, you know, multiple capped international players and played 15, 20 years at, at the top of the game. And we've got some guys that are brand new to the game. Um, and rugby here in the States, is a professional sport in the 15 side is kind of three four years old um but on the seven side it's you know it's a lot bigger and it's been a been a you know it has a good grinding in the sevens game here everyone wants to be an olympian in america um it's the next best thing to play in uh, to play in like nfl and and, and and those major sports so um rugby here is embedded in some schools and colleges and in the, the the junior club game here it's really embedded in the community there's lots of pockets of expats that have kind of driven that over over the over the last uh, years um and it's really developing it's growing to a point now where it's now on uh 
on network television uh, at times, and it's on the, the cable network. So we have, uh, I know you have it at ESPN, so Major League Rugby shown on, on, on those networks. It's shown on uh, Fox Sports, uh, and, and it's growing. I think the, I would say that, particularly here in Southern California, it's, I would, the junior game and the kids game here is, is is like it is back home in, in uh, Wales or Southwest England, where it's a strong kind of youth and community game. And that's the same here in Southern California. It's not like that in the rest of America, but there are pockets of it. And there's some really good kind of uh, people involved across America that, that are really driving that. So it, it's growing, but you know, to infiltrate the major sports market in America is going to be very hard. Um, but that's the challenge and you know, you've got to start somewhere. Yeah, and, and we always talk about when we have uh, coaches uh, from the States on and kind of say, you know, do, do you, can you see it one day being that, that they have challenged, you know, the NFL and NBA and things and, and got some of those best athletes into rugby? Can you see them really challenging on the world stage? Uh, if they get it right, can the US challenge on the world stage in rugby? Absolutely. Will it infiltrate the likes of the NFL and, and the major sports? Then I don't think it will. I don't think we can compete with that. We have to be different. We have to be an alternative. So, you know, the, the, the kids here, you know, you go to college, you get a scholarship, and you're only going to get a scholarship in those major sports. Um, but what we need to do is embed it into the school's program. So that if you get an exposure to rugby at school, by all means, go and play your major sport and go to college and enjoy that. But if you then don't make it into the, 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 those major sports and get contracted on millions of dollars, come and have a look at rugby because you already know it. You've already had a good exposure and a good experience with it. And then we can kind of get that talent that does drop away from those major sports and we can pick that up. And we don't have to teach them the game of rugby again because they've had an exposure to it in the school. So I think that's where... Uh, I see the vision going with these, with the, certainly within Major League Rugby is to we have to go in and do a better job within the schools programs and the, and the youth level before they even start thinking about you know going and, and getting a, a scholarship and, and going on from there. But I don't think we have to try and infiltrate the the big sports. It's about uh, allowing them to experience rugby. You know, going a multi-sport kind of upbringing, which is not done well here. Um, but then, obviously, then we can pick them up if they don't make it. And, and that's where I think the U.S. will be really successful is, it, is then kind of, they have an outlet to play another professional sport in rugby here in the States. And then ultimately, go and get in a contract in, in Europe um, where, the, where they can earn decent money and then come back and, and, and use all that knowledge and, and improve the national team's fortunes on the, on the world stage. That's, that's cool. Sounds like a good, good philosophy for it. And um, we, we spoke a bit about this um, previously, um, kind of your, your role with the squad you've got who, you know, they have jobs and things like that. So talk, talk about how you kind of coach players around kind of time management, fitting their training in around work or, or education, because that, that's really beneficial to our, some of our listeners who are, are semi-professional rugby players or amateur rugby players. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I've got guys now here in San Diego that, you know, they're, they're, they're delivering Amazon packages and, and whatever. So they do have normal jobs. And what we have to do is really understand what the, what the player can do. It's not what they can't do, it's what they can do. So 
and you know first things first they have to look after their families and and, and their, their families uh, wellness and health comes first so it's very much sitting down with a player and coming up with a plan that, that that suits them so some guys like to train before work and we can facilitate that um and then some guys obviously uh, prefer to train afterwards. So it's really coming up with a program at the moment where we can say, okay, you need to train in the morning. Where are we going to get our bound for our buck? And I think obviously most guys would prefer to get in the gym in the morning. Um, and then we'll prescribe uh, a strength development program mainly for those those players. And then you know we're transitioning them into into some more uh, kind of uh, strength speed and speed strength work as we move forward. And then getting some of their conditioning work in the evening. So you're looking at probably three, two to three gym sessions in the week, and then two to three uh, field-based or conditioning type sessions during the week. Um, and then once we get into in-season period, uh, then things will change where we have to to look at you know, how we're going to structure our training week around uh, around rugby and, and games. So. We're working with the coaches here. We're looking at developing a program where we're identifying one main training day. So an example is Tuesday will be our main training day. And then more of a, as the week rolls on, getting into that Thursday, Friday, we'll, we'll do more uh, team-based work and a more team-run type type activities. So, and then we'll reduce the volume of gym and conditioning and so on. But it's really kind of getting to know where the player sits, what they do for work, and really trying to understand that, that they're, they're, they do have other commitments and that we can't infiltrate those too much. Um, but that, that's, the, that's the real challenge for us here. Um, but as we move forward at San Diego, we're lucky we'll, we'll have all those, all those guys from December till June on full-time contracts. That kind of changes things. But you know, ultimately, uh, at this moment in time, we're... we're you know, we're very much kind of part-time. Yeah, no, it's, it's good it's good for both players and coaches to hear that. Obviously, oftentimes we talk about what we do when we're full-time and then, you know, a lot of the a lot of the guys don't actually have that environment. So it's good to kind of learn what you've prioritised and, and how you fit things around, you know, life essentially. So that's cool. Yeah, I think that's, that's one of the big things, Jamie, is that you have to, you have to really understand like where where your athletes are where the players are at and what, what's the biggest bang for buck that you can do you know then for me you know exposing guys to good quality strength work is really important at the back end of the front sorry at the front end of the week and towards the back end of the week getting some power based work and some high speed uh exposures and that doesn't have to be with gps monitor it just means getting them to run quick getting them to run 20 30 meters sprints four or five times at the back end of the week at 100 effort and that's all you can ask players have just got to be able to give 100 effort and you know i think that's that's there's nothing more complicated than that really yeah i know this this has come a very common question on the podcast uh, recently due to the kind of COVID 19 situation how, how have you guys kind of approached the return to training to kind of re- reduce injuries and spikes in load etc yeah, I think it's a real interesting one here, mate. And the one of the key things here is that we're you know, depending on where whereabouts in America you are, then it's a different kind of different climate. So um, the first and foremost is that your 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 players and your and their their families' health is number one. That's the number one priority. Um, and then we have to follow uh, local government guidelines. Um, so it's the Centre for uh, for Disease here. Um, 
And then, you know, we have to follow those guidelines. So, you know, at the moment we're saying that you, you, any gym based activities you, you have to do outside and you have to be social distance with, within that. So, um, you know, that, that can, that, that's caused some, some issues because some of the gyms that we have access to, you know, they, they don't have outdoor space. So, um, and then in terms of any kind of return to contact, there are uh, World Rugby Guidelines and USA Rugby Guidelines that, that we're currently following. But as we don't have uh, all our players in um, and, and doing work, we only have, a, you know, most of the guys have remote training at the moment and we won't bring those in until, until December 1. So we do have a little bit of time, but it's really important that they understand their local guidelines. And that changes from almost like county to county here. Even if you're in the state of California, county to county will change. But you know, all we ask is that they follow the, the, the local government guidelines and then we utilize the, the World Rugby and the USA Rugby return to play guidelines as, as we move forward. So it's a very kind of, um, I say, dynamic uh, piece at the moment with COVID-19 being around. And I think you know, what you've seen in the UK, as I understand speaking to, to you and, and others around the game, is that, you know, that, again, that's very different depending on which competition you're in, which club you're at. So I think there's, we just have to be very, very flexible, which is, you know, it sounds strange, but it's, that's really hard to do sometimes because you know, as rugby players and as sports people, everyone likes structure. And they like kind of uniform structure and a good schedule so you know where they're going. But now we, things are very fluid, so we have to be very flexible. And I think that's a, that's a new skill that we've all had to, that we, we've been aware of, but now we happen to really adapt. And, and I think that's, uh, that's been proven with, uh, with COVID being around. Yeah. Uh, next question uh, is a regular on the podcast, and it's uh, what do you think is the biggest mistake rugby players make when it comes to strength and conditioning? I think they make things too complicated, mate. Um, they're all looking for uh, they're all looking for the magic bullet. Um, there are no magic bullets um, in SNC. The the foundations of successful athletes are, are through time and the training that they've done that hasn't really changed. A good solid strength foundation, um, and then making sure that you uh, work across the the full spectrum of the force velocity curve in your training and getting good exposures to that but it's you know it, it's just the the consistency in your effort and the consistency in your application of a training program and not uh, keep swapping and changing it so you just got to be consistent and don't make things too complicated yeah definitely great advice now we we also spoke previously kind of about um you know changing changing beliefs and, and how to develop your philosophy over time what's what's your way of or how have you gone through it for your career of kind of challenging your own beliefs and and being able to adapt your philosophy without kind of throwing the baby out of the bathwater so to speak yeah i've thrown the baby out of the bathwater a few times and i think <laughs> as, a young coach, as a young coach uh even as an experienced coach you still do it and i think you know, people that say they don't i mean i, I don't believe them i've done that countless times i think I've always been curious as a as a as a coach, um, not just as an SNC coach. I just like the co the whole coaching process, and I suppose that was spawned from from a very young age and having some good rugby coaches uh, coach me when I was younger, and that's kind of resonated through through my career and as I've as I've gone through and at university really delved into that topic around 
um, kind of like the, the, the whole coaching process and uh, the reflecting, uh, the reflective nature of that. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a really good kind of lecturer of mine, a guy called Gav Chesterfield, who, who's now at the University of South Wales. Lectured uh, me as well. <laughs> yeah, right, great guy. Still stay in contact with him. And you know, I think that for me has really helped my reflective coaching practice. Um, so being curious as, as a coach, I've kind of looked all over and always kind of try to look outside of uh, outside of my sport and outside of the traditional kind of SNC uh, fields. So in rugby, you know, you me talk to each other, and you've got a, I've got a good network within within the rugby environment. But then I've looked at different sports and, and seen what they've done and taken the learnings from those. So cycling, I'm a big cycler, cyclist myself, so I've taken some lessons in terms of of how they've coped with kind of recovery, um, how they're looking at sleep, how they're looking at uh, just preparation of getting into the grind every single day. And I think, you know, you, you may not get any kind of like uh, gold nuggets from them, but the little things that, that, that they do, you know, they're preparing for a big grand tour and they have to, you know, they've got 21 days straight in the saddle. That requires a resilience of an athlete, but also requires a resilience of a coach. So I've looked at that. Um, I've looked at uh, other running-based sports. I've looked at um, looked at a lot of uh, mixed martial arts sports in terms of how they prepare as athletes and how their their SNC programs uh, evolve. And I think it's just been you know having the the balls to to you know look at something new and try it. Is, you know, you can look at something and you go, oh, that's not going to work, but just try it and just, you know, that and make mistakes. And I think, you know, I've learned huge lessons and developed my philosophy from just trying things, having an idea and having the, the balls to stick my hand up and go, I'm going to try that. And if it sticks, it sticks. If it doesn't, well, let's review it, find out why it didn't stick. Can we change it? And I've always had that mentality. And mate, I'll tell you, I'll be honest, it's got me into trouble. It's lost me jobs because of it. Um, but I think that, you know, if you don't make mistakes and you're not willing to try anything, I don't think you'll ever be successful in anything. And that's proven if you look at some of the, the, the top coaches in the world and successful businessmen um, and so on, that, you know, if you're going to be successful, you're going to have to make mistakes somewhere. But it, as long as you learn from your mistakes, um, and I've always kind of had that kind of the, 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 top of my, uh, the top of my list, really, in terms of developing my philosophy and allowing it to adapt over time because you do, because you pick up different things from different coaches, different environments that you've been in. And, you know, it's ever evolving. You know, I had a philosophy when I first came over to the States of how I would do things and I've had to change. Why? Because the players here, they have a certain kind of uh, perception of what SNC is and you have to play to that. Otherwise you're not going to get an athlete to buy into what you're doing. Um, so it's, it's, it's ever changing, mate. Yeah, and ton, tons of good um, advice there. But the next question is, what advice would you give to an upcoming strength coach? Get out there and coach. Get out there, make mistakes. Um, if you, I hear a lot of people say there's not a lot of jobs around. There's, 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 there's not a lot of jobs around that pay really, really well. But, you know, those jobs are few and far between. But just get out and coach. And, um, you go and coach your, your local high school team, go and coach your, your local club, go and coach the age grade kids, go and coach uh, 
men, women, boys, girls, just get out and coach anybody. Go and run personal training for, uh, or run a class in the in the local park with, you know, uh, a multitude of people, whether it's young, old, um, and just build up that that experience of being able to coach people, being around people, and holding conversations. And and the only way you're gonna build that and get better at it is by actually doing it and feeling it. Um, you know, I, you know, I took a, my first gig as an S&C gig um, with a group of netball girls at Hartbury. And I ran the shit out of them. And 15, 20 years later, I'm running the shit out of women's sevens <laughs> on the world stage. So you know, it, it's, it's one of those things, mate. You just got to get in there and, and, and put your hand up and, and, and do something and, and learn from it and enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. Because like you said, you, every environment's different. You'll you'll learn from coaching in different environments and different people. Um, and and also, like you said, the the more environments you get exposed to, the the better you're building your network as well. So it's um really good advice. What what about um any books or resources you'd recommend to to developing coaches? Um, there's, well, there's so many out there. Um, I think that the the multitude of books and people go on like from a, from a, like a, an S kind of standpoint in books that they want to read and, and delve into. But I think you can learn a lot from uh, other books and other uh, business uh, people out there. Yeah. There's plenty of those around, but the top book that I recommend that people uh, should read is 59 lessons by Fergus Connolly. Um, it's literally 59 lessons that he's learned from working and been exposed to a lot, a multitude of uh, uh, sports arenas from uh, from Gaelic football all the way through up to working with special forces here in the States. There's very short snippets and stories and uh, tales and lessons that he's learned and they really resonate with young coaches and they also resonate with, um, they also resonate with real kind of, experienced coaches and I think that you know I delve into that every once in a while um I read it in a couple in two days when he gave it to me and then yeah I still delve into it now so that's a really good book mate it's easy to read and it's it has a lot of kind of things that make you think and I think that's a real top book for anyone to go in there go and take a read of yeah cool great recommendation and uh lastly and where can people learn more about you uh <laughs> Social media is always a good one. Everyone loves it. Social media these days. So my Twitter handle is uh, at Ian Gibbo um, on Twitter. Um, semi-active on Instagram. I mainly use that just to, to look at other uh, other people and snoop a little bit. Um, so yeah, Twitter is the Twitter is the main one. Um, and then they can also drop me an email, uh, and I'll give you that, Jamie, to put on there but yeah twitter would be the main one mate and i'm quite active on there always reach out for people um so if anyone wants to reach out and, and, and talk shop or just have a laugh or whatever it is then then uh, twitter's a way forward that's cool and of course we'll um we'll share all those in the show notes but uh, lastly just to wrap up ian what what's um obviously you've got big season coming up with the mlr when when that gets going in in december what what else have you got on the horizon anything you know, just developing a little project here um, with a with lucky enough that the, the owners from, from the Legion here have you know, given us some money to develop our own training centre. And then we're just looking to, to roll out a programme, um, a corporate wellness and health programme for 
for local businesses and um, sponsors of, of the Legion. So we're just developing that. Um, and then we're also looking to run a, um, a youth uh, development uh, pathway for, for girls and boys to come in and, and take them through good quality S&C, some coaching and just general life and, 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 and skills. Uh, so that's an exciting project that we're trying to, trying to get off the grind now. Um, but yeah, the, the wellness project for the local community is the big one. It's something that hasn't been done all that well uh, here. And, you know, I want to try and develop that side of things. And it's something else outside of rugby that really interests me. And, you know, I want to use the lessons of working in pro sport and, and feedback and give back to, to, to your everyday persons. I think there's some huge lessons there. And, you know, to, to share that knowledge with other people. Uh, in, a, in a community setting, it's, uh, it really excites me. So that's what I'm developing right now. That's cool, and, and look forward to seeing more more of that from you in the future. But Ian, thanks for coming on the podcast. Great to catch up with you, and all the best for the future. No worries. Thank you, Jamie. Take care, mate. Cheers. Yeah, and again, thank you, Ian, for taking the time to talk to us, and all the best for the uh, future and with the season with uh, San Diego Legion. Um, guys, please subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, whatever you use for your podcast, and of course, give us a five star review. And if you think it's um, get or you're getting a lot out of these podcasts, please share with a friend who might also get a lot out of it as well. Uh, please keep checking us out at um, at Rugby Renegade on social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And, of course, uh, at rugbyrenegade.com. If you're looking to improve your performance or performance of your athletes, we've got tons of resources there for you, some free, some paid, and we know they'll help you and your athletes. So please stay tuned for more podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Renegade podcast. For more quality rugby strength and conditioning information, check us out at rugbyrenegade.com. Rugby Renegade, building machines.